Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hello and welcome to the Watford Buzz podcast. Uh, back to our podding duties uh, but if you did enjoy the uh, the, the latest uh, twitter spaces um then let us know because uh, we hope to bring a few more of those to you in the future but uh podding duty today myself and tom burrell here jordan weimer is uh off uh, enjoying his birthday so we gave him a free pass because well basically i think it would be a bit cruel to make him go through talking about the pain of of last night tom when it's his birthday especially mm. No, absolutely right. He, deserve, he deserves to not have to uh, try and break down defeats and Milton Keynes dons, doesn't he? With the associated disappointment around the transfers, uh, I think he probably deserves a day off. What thinking about Watford altogether? Yeah, but it was it was quite a special day for us anyway because it was the first time that we'd actually come together as a as a team to to watch to watch the game, and um, I really enjoyed that until the the whistle blew. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it was nice, wasn't it? Going for a beer beforehand, meeting up, having a yeah. chat, walk into the game. And then, yeah, we, as you said on the way out, we might as well have just stayed at the pub, quite frankly. Yeah. We? It was yeah. pretty pretty miserable, um, the match itself. But at least it was warm. The view was good. The company was good. Uh, it's just everything around uh, around it was fine. It was just the uh, the spectacle itself left left something to be desired. And, and I think that's putting it pretty pretty politely and pretty mildly, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Um, um, the first thing we said when we saw the, the squad lineup was, oh, that's actually a bit more competitive, uh, stronger than we than we imagined. But I suppose, Tom, when you look at the, the squad that we have available, it probably wasn't going to be that weak anyway, because there's not really a lot to draw on, is there? No, exactly that. You look at the, I've been updating the old uh, squad's kind of depth chart throughout the summer and, and really and truly, you know, with, with so many players having left now, there's not a whole lot of depth there. Then obviously you have to take into account the injuries. Uh, Tom Cleverley is obviously out. Ismail mm. Asar is out at the moment. Um, Imran Loser, of course. Of course, Keenan Davis isn't Keenan Davis fit. and Courtney Howes aren't match yeah, fit. Exactly. Yeah. So it doesn't really leave you with a lot of opportunities to rotate, particularly when um, Fletcher, Keener and Barr are out on loan as well. Corsetto and Pinaranda are somewhere. Um, I think <laughs> yeah. I think that the, the, probably the most... Oh, Dilly Bashir, of course, is injured. So, yes, you yes. know, the, the two that maybe you might have otherwise seen in another year in another instance would have been um salomon kalu and uh, salomon kalu bloody hell samuel kalu sorry samuel and um <laughs> and jeremy and gakia but i think you know for for differing reasons they are both kind of persona non grata at the moment aren't they um which especially within gakia is something i'll come on to well yeah that's later. right the, the, the kalu one i mean there's lots of talks about and we won't we won't go into it because we don't know the actual the facts behind it, but we believe there's a problem that has arisen that that means that contractually there might be some issues. Um, <laughs> we'll leave it at that. But um, the Ngaki one is really peculiar, isn't it? Because he doesn't seem to have done anything wrong, but yeah, he's not involved with the squad, and I believe he's fit as well. So. Yeah, that's it. I had a good scout around, good scout around before we recorded, and I couldn't see any kind of reference to him being 
injured. You know, I'm not expecting him to play right wing back, but the fact that he wasn't even on the bench when there were nine subs last night because it was the cup, um, you know, I think sent a little bit of a message. Perhaps he is on the cusp of a move away. Just feels a bit unfortunate for him. I mean, we actually ended up playing with a, a flat back four for a period. So, you know, conceivably he might have got on the field and and got a few minutes. But I, I, I do think that that probably speaks volumes, his, his non-inclusion. However, if I can be bold and jump ahead, Mario Gaspar, I mean, he's just not a right wing back. And I'm sure you can vouch for the fact that mm. I was getting increasingly irritated with him. Are we both? Uh, yeah. And the bloke next to us actually as well, wasn't he, on my side? Yeah. Um, he was getting pretty frustrated as well, just purely because of his um, absolute and utter refusal to get forward and get into space and do anything kind of attacking, you know? Um, he's, I think he's adequate defensively, probably is, is fair to say. Uh, not perfect, not terrible. But when the play was on the left-hand side, you know, he kind of just hung around in line with the back three and, and didn't show any intent or willingness to get forward, drive into the space, stretch them, make an option or anything. And it, he improved. I think there was a point at which Rob Edwards was kind of telling him, come on, push on, push on, push on. And he did from there. But you could tell he wasn't comfortable with it. You could tell yeah. it wasn't his natural game. And he even when he got on the ball in those advanced areas, which, you know, is an important part of what Rob Edwards' team was about at Forest Green Rovers. So we have to assume he wants to do something similar here. His delivery and quality on the ball was was woefully lacking. So I hope we can find a use for him in a flat back four or a right-sided centre half. Yeah, I just don't think he is the right wing back that Rob Edwards wants. However, it's a handful of games. I don't want to write him off either. He's a very safe footballer and he definitely has a use and his pass completion rate must be through the roof because every time he gets the ball he just passes it uh-huh. back across to wherever it came from or or, or maybe you know it wasn't actually to the, to the left but it was was it really 75 not? no 75 percent overall which was only 20th on the night okay. obviously you've got you've got a couple of players who come on and got a hundred percent because they didn't play many passes in terms of passes completed, he was 36 out of 45. So that was fifth best overall. Um, unsurprisingly, okay. kind of the, the back three and Dan Gosling were the, the players above him. Right. Uh, which you kind of expect given the way we play, don't you? Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of final third and kind of forward passes... Uh, didn't complete many final third passes. Five out of 13, which is a pretty miserable record. And I can't quite see forward passes at this stage. But yeah, I think I think it probably tallies with what we uh, what we think, certainly, of, of his ability on the ball. Yeah, I mean, I would be quite happy to bring him on into a game, you know, let's say if we're, we're, we're comfortably winning, but we, you know, we want to, you know, give our right wing back a break, uh, and and also change more to you know more, you know, keeping hold of the ball and and, and you know our work gone going forward is is done, but um, to have him on, uh, it it just it limits our ability to go forward because it it really tells the opposition, <laughs> well, we're not going down this side. So uh... exactly, and I think with him, it's understand if he's not at 31 really comfortable bombing down that line you know running at people that's probably never been his game then fair enough but at the very least you've got to be getting into those areas and keeping the ball moving quickly and making options making triangles keeping the ball uh you know in tight spaces and, and what have you and he just he just didn't he didn't do that did he um no. and, and doesn't doesn't do that i was just looking up his Forward passing percentage is going to be incredibly low. Forward passing percentage being kind of percentage of old passes that went forward. He is at 22.9%, which really, out of all the starters, is ahead of only Raymond I and uh, Vakun Bayer, which is to be expected, obviously. <laughs> if they're making forward passes, something's really gone wrong. <laughs> exactly. Uh, Dawson Devoy of MK Dons and Edo Kayembe, who I think is another one we've probably identified as a bit, or personally I've identified as a bit of a backwards and sideways passer. And then it's Gaspar on twenty, nearly 23%, basically, which is you know quite low for someone that should be in a 
fairly important position in terms of that build-up play. So, yeah. yes, that, that gives me cause for concern, certainly. I mean, it's so concerning that you have to imagine Rob Edwards has seen that is an issue and must be, you know, trying out to the to the board to get something done because surely they can't move forward with that. If 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 they crucially, if they stick to the the three five two, which is what Rob Edwards wants to play. If they don't, then I think we probably can get away with him in a flat back four. I, I'm, I'm not excited by it, but um. If you've got a, a, a more creative person ahead of him who's doing that role, then it doesn't really matter. Mm. Well, yeah. exactly, exactly. That's it. I think uh, the 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 right sided centre half, which we expected to be Jack Stevens, I said last week on either the pod or the space that I would rather focus on a right wing back. You know, Cavaselli obviously has his flaws. Flaws. Cathcart obviously has his flaws. We think Ngakia could play there and we think Gaspar could play there. I'd much rather see a sign of right wing back, but after after last night, I'm only kind of more certain in that belief. Yeah. But to be fair, I don't think Ngakia is uh, really that great at going forward either. So it's not like no. we're missing no. out by not playing. No, de- no, definitely not. I just, you know, I think it was just damning that he wasn't involved at all as a, you know, senior player in inverted commas. Um, someone that's been around for a few years and is kind of more experienced than the young boys that were on the bench. It's, it, and, and don't get me wrong, it's great to see those young boys and it was it was good to see um, Adrian Blake come off the bench and I think he was one of the real few positives, wasn't he? Yeah, um, yeah. In, in his performance and wanting to get on the ball and run up and just be brave and run at people and do all the things uh, that we didn't do as a team on the night. He was the one of the few people that came out of it with any any credit for me. Yeah, he 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 looked sharp, didn't he? Um, yeah. He wanted to be on the ball and he wanted to to get involved. Um, I also think that um, Matty Pollock looked really comfortable in in the heart of defence. It's a shame, really, that we we seem to have a couple of players that are also quite good in that position. Serralta, um, mm. you know, um, Cathcart could do a job there. Uh, to be honest, Cabaselli hasn't been that bad really this season. Um, if we're just looking at it from this season alone. So, you know, you can understand why he's down the pecking order, but I'm pleased that he uh, had a good game because, you know, he's the future, isn't he? And, you know, hopefully he, he gets more game time going forward and, and can be a, a starter, you know, sooner rather than later. Yeah, I thought out of the three, he was the central defenders that started, Trustikong and Cathcart being the others. He was the one that probably came out of it. Um, best. Cathcart obviously didn't cover himself in glory for the Dennis goal. No. Just sort of let him run beyond him. They ran off the back of him and had a fairly easy slide and, and prod it home. And Trooster Kong had a couple of hairy moments defensively, but I just thought I actually looked it up. His passing percentage was about 86%, which is not, not too bad at all. Um but and he completed more passes than anyone, but that was purely because he saw more of the ball than anyone and, and as we know we're kind of quite patient in our build-up play through the back uh, back line. And, and you know, there were a few instances of kind of classic truce de Kong where he kind of hooked our aimless ball forward or slid the ball. There was one, he slid the ball straight into them and they launched on a counter-attack and you just thought, oh, God, when will he learn? Um, but Matthew Pollock, to swing it back to who we were actually trying to talk about, I thought, yes, was the, the better one of the three, three interceptions, which was... Uh, if not the most out of anybody, then quite high. Won most of his defensive duels, 80% of those and 80% of his aerial duels as well. So thought, you know, thought he was quite good in that respect. And, and look, I didn't think there were any kind of jitters from him, given it was his first game at this kind of level. He he looked confident, went straight in. Yeah, more interceptions than anyone. So a, a good performance from him. I don't know how much we're going to see of him because you know you don't really alternate your centre halves, do you? Uh, so unless somebody gets injured over the course of the season, you'd reasonably assume he's going to have to be the backup. But I think it would be good to keep him around because um, we are probably going to play with a back three, and there are probably going to be injuries at some point. So he would be the kind of the next man up, wouldn't he? So yeah, 
Um, yeah, no, a, a decent debut from him, I would say. Yeah, very good, very good. Um, if we go into uh, positives ca- carrying on from that, it was also nice uh, to be able to see Akoi, um, who we've heard a lot about, but we haven't had the chance to see him in a, in a, in a yellow shirt then. Well, actually, no, it's not really a yellow shirt, is it? What, what, what colour of the golf is he wearing? Is it grey? Was it grey? I can't remember what he was wearing. I, I, thought he was wearing I thought he was wearing purple. You know what? It probably was purple. It probably was purple. Regardless of, of, <laughs> of, of the colour, um, he no, he did he did reasonably well, didn't he? He he I I feel as though um he could have saved that second shot just based on the positioning of where he was and the fact that the ball went into his near corner and he was pretty much in that corner when the shot came in. However, yeah. the rest of his game, and you have to judge a player on the whole game, was you know adequate, and I would be pretty happy, I think, if he came in, uh, you know, if if Batman was injured or something like that. But I, I don't feel as though he's done enough yet to um, usurp Daniel Batman because he, Batman has had a, a, a fantastic start so far this season, and and of course he's already got a lot of championship experience, so I can I can see why he's the number one currently. Yes, um, I th- I think that kind of probably it was one kind of black mark against him but i think it was enough to cement any feeling that batman is number one you know and 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 should be and rightfully so i don't think he was overly worked to coy was he he didn't have anything kind of major to do enough to make any kind of worldy saves uh there was one save he made in the second half where they kind of shot across his body and he kind of caught it collapsing to his right um, but otherwise he didn't have anything to do. But um, unfortunately, yes, that second goal, we thought it at the time, didn't we? And, and watching it back this afternoon, it just goes under him a bit. And yeah, it's right in the corner. But as you said, I, you know, I'll give you credit. It's on his side of the goal as the keeper. And he's, as we both commented at the time that he kind of came out um, as the teams were coming out. He's absolutely enormous. And obviously that comes with its own challenges as a goalkeeper in terms of speed and getting down. Yeah. But he is six foot six. So there's no excuse for not getting down into that corner, I would say. Um, and, and, and therefore, yeah, I think you have to pin some blame on him. Uh, but otherwise, yeah, good. I don't think he really any kind of crosses to take or, or claim the ball or anything like that. But... His kicking was pretty good. There was one which he sort of shanked a little bit, quite a bit, of sort of backspin, and just went up in the air. Yeah. But otherwise, I don't, I don't think he, um, don't think he did anything particularly, uh, particularly wrong, to be honest. No, it's hard to judge a goalkeeper on one game as well. Yeah, that's it. Exactly. You do need to kind of see them over, as with anyone, you need to see them over a period. But I don't think it was a, a fair test insofar as it wasn't like he was under constant pressure. Didn't have to do. A lot of things. There was one opportunity actually in the first half where he came quite quite smartly off his line to block, possibly after Truce de Kong or Cathcart, I can't remember which. Yeah, that's up. right. Yeah, and he was off his line quite sharply to block. Then, so I, I guess as well, in you know, without being kind of patronising, because we have paid a lot of money for this guy, relatively speaking, he is quite young in goalkeeper terms, isn't he? You know, we've I've said in the past, old oh, Dan Backman's. Um, quite young in goalkeeper terms. He's only was only sort of 24, 25. Akoi's only 22 at the end of the day. He's only got a few seasons of being a, a kind of number one under him. So um, I guess an investment for the future, but good to see him. It's just a shame, obviously, his, his next opportunity would have been in a couple of weeks' time in the in the cup and and now it you know may not come until January with the with the FA Cup rolling around. Yeah, and that's going to be a shame for a few of these guys um Pollock included that um you know the first team experience will kind of stop here for the moment until injuries or uh, the FA Cup rolls around in January, which is a long old time to wait. Um you wonder if because of this result if maybe especially if Watford we believe want to bring in another center back um, in addition to the one they've just signed, perhaps Pollock could go on a short-term loan. Maybe I think the loan rules nowadays only permit them to go until uh, half season or full season. So if he goes anywhere, it'll have to be until January. Yeah. Um, if that's what you mean by short-term loan, then it yeah. is. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, 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 yeah. If we sign someone else and don't let any go, then I think it's probably a waste of him being there, being here. If we let one go, which 
we kind of not based on any privileged information we kind of do assume might be the case don't we that that we we're well stopped at centre half looking at the list you know that's where we'd have to we'd have to lose one um but i i would like to see more of him and test him as we i think we all do with these kind of young british players that we sort of bring in with the aim of developing but um you know look at ben wilmot he waited what seemed forever always did well in the opportunities he was given which weren't exactly plentiful and then was gone very quickly so yeah don't don't, don't bring up ben wilmot it's still a real it's a real sore point it's a sore me. point for you is it yeah <laughs> I just felt like he was going to be, uh, you know, a great, a great, a great centre back for us, and um, I guarantee that he'd be playing um, now. You know, if he was still around in the championship with us, but oh, almost certain. That's it. Almost certainly. This and this is the thing with us. I think is a wider point. We we do seem to be so bloody short term at times for a club that kind of talks about building for the future and, and, and this sort of thing. We do seem to be frustratingly short-termist in our in our thinking, the way we kind of get rid of these players. Wilmot, for me, I'm sure he had bad games, but in my mind, watching him on Hive Live during the dark times of the pandemic, he always seemed to do fairly well. Um, was he going to be a Premier League centre-half? Maybe not immediately, but I don't think it had done any worse than the guys we had in there last season. And then... Yeah, we just kind of sold him to Stoke without giving him a, a proper crack of the whip, did we? It was all very peculiar. Yeah. And, and and how can it be anything other than short term when the coaches change as often as they do? Anyway, we know that's a thing. Let's not get into that. Yeah, okay. Um, One more negative before we go fully into the transfer market talk. Um, The front two. Uh, I mean, we've had a couple of looks at them now. I'm just not sure. I'm just not sure, but but at the same time, and I, I I should point this out, players don't just turn up and just hit the ground running straight away. I think the the issue is that um, perhaps you don't usually have, you know, if you're playing two strikers, two new off the coach players straight away. You have one bidding in as at the same time as one who's already been with you a little while and you're only sort of like hoping for one to sort of like gel but we we're looking for two of our main goal threats to to gel immediately and if if they don't then you start looking around thinking well who else is gonna put this ball in the back of the net no absolutely they were funny weren't they well not funny necessarily i thought raymond and i spent a lot of the time on the floor um and and I said on the last pod on the Twitter spaces, you know, he's quite a big bloke, not necessarily in height, but in physique. He's quite broad chested, quite, quite physically strong. And and I love his temperament as well. He didn't really show it. Oh, oh, <laughs> oh you didn't think he showed it? I no, thought, I thought, I I thought, thought well, I thought, at times he did and at times he didn't. At times he was kind of bullied a little bit. There was an occasion late in the game where he got in front of his man. You think, all right, hold it. And he just sort of let him push him and just headed it back into his own half. There was all the falling on the floor and rolling around. And clearly he was getting frustrated and there were probably one or two fouls in there that he didn't get. But, you know, that is football. That is the nature of English football. It's quite physical. I'm not saying English football is unique in that respect. Of course it's not. But I don't know. Having been up on him recently and everything, you know, if we lost, right, and it was rubbish, so everything's rubbish. But and you look at it through that filter, but having been quite up on him until now, I thought, nah, I don't know about him. Um, Bayo was a little bit better, you know, wanted to show a bit more willingness to get on, get in behind as, as you would expect, which I think is, you know, more his game, but didn't really have a proper sniff of goal, except the one chance. I think was it Espria who cut it back to him from the right, tried the back heel and then sort of, poked his yes that's right yeah toe onto it and poked it a goal but it you know wasn't a particularly great chance for him um but I've, it's hard to judge these guys i guess we're not really creating chances and we're not really connecting the play are we how many times last night from our vantage point in the the elton sir elton john stand was it kind of trustikong or Cathcart or pollock on the ball near halfway line and then nothing for 20 30 yards and then a row of five strikers or attacking players sort of strung along the edge of the penalty area no one was coming into that space and being brave and saying right i'll come in give me the ball i'll make something happen you know there weren't options 
any of the things you want to see in those those build up moments and those phases of play, it was almost just inviting them to knock it over the top. And MK Dons were quite happy with that because they would just knock it away. It was, you know, it was not a good or cohesive performance with possession. Um, so it's kind of hard to judge them. But equally, you know, Manai, at times I, I thought I saw little bits in him that I wanted to see, which was him dropping in and doing that in the first half. I guess it, but when it becomes a bit more stretched the, or, you know, a bit more desperate, the, the, the inclination is for everybody to hang around up front and just say, yeah, just, just hook it up and we'll win the second ball. But it just wasn't happening, was it? It wasn't working last night. And yeah, put that one in the book and move on. If I could just quickly, I was going to say two more things, one negative and one positive. How about that? Right, right. One, as long as you've got a balance for us, Tom, that's okay. Yeah, well, absolutely. You know me. Very, very balanced and reasonable, mate. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, the negative, Dan Gosling, my goodness, how bad was he? Just, yeah, actually. Yeah. I couldn't say anything positive about him, really. Um, slow, ponderous, not in the right place at the right time, not using the ball well, just chunted around like an old tractor that was ready to be put out to pasture. Um, but if I can be positive, I thought two players that made a big difference uh, were Hamza Chowdhury on at half time and then Ken Semeron in the second half. Yes. They wanted to move the ball quickly. They wanted to be positive. They wanted to get forward. And Ken Semer's frustration, it was obvious to us because he was in front of us in that second half, but Ken Semer's frustration at those around him not moving the ball quickly enough, not getting forward, not making options for him was evident on more than one occasion. He was kind of standing there going in sort of gesturing, sort of spinning his hand and saying, come on, come on, come on, move the ball, move the ball. And I think that's been something that's been very evident in all our games this season. I've either been at or watched them on TV or what have you, all of them. And I think that's been a recurring theme throughout in the good and the bad is that we have not moved the ball anything like quickly enough. And it just gives you the, just gives the opposition the, uh, the chance to get back in shape to close you down, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, and, and it makes you easy to play against, ultimately. And I think that's what we were last night. And, you know, MK Dons were well-coached, well-organised, had a plan and and made us look very, very poor. Yes. Sorry, I've ended up on two negatives there. But <laughs> what I really meant was Chowdhury and Ken showed that they are at a first-team level. And despite having kind of nominally five first-team players in that 11 last night, we were well, well off the required level. Well, here's, here's a positive for you. Um, oh, in a game that showed very few uh, good moments from a Watford perspective, uh, that amazing bit of trickery from Ken Semmer was uh, was delightful to oh, see. Lovely. It's a shame it didn't have an end product, but we uh, sort of like, what did he do? Like, was it like a Cruyff turn flick to try and? I never, I never know him? the names of yeah, these tricks, <laughs> but it was nice either way. He he was good. He injected a bit of pace and urgency. He wanted to get. In behind, he got to the byline a few times as he does and cut it back and, you know, decent kind of cutbacks and someone with a bit more predatory instinct might have prodded one of those home. He, we looked more like scoring when he was on the field. Did, um, did. And I think that's telling because, we all, you know, I've been the first to say, oh, Ken Semmer. But he was the best player on the field in, in yellow yesterday. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. 
Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Agreed. Right, let's move on to the transfer market talk then. And um, let's start by the the incredible uh, £16 million sale of Kamara Mm. to Udinese. And then subsequent loan uh, from Udinese back to Watford. Where do we begin with this one, Tom? Well, it's, that's the million dollar question, is or the sixteen million pound question, isn't how, it? Like, how many um, memes did we see saying? Uh, <laughs> I don't know about that one. It looks a bit dodgy. Uh, I think the in between is meme, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah, absolutely. My friend who supports Reading messaged me and said some words to the effect of that Kamara alone is a disgrace. Uh, <laughs> My friend who supports Barnet messaged me and goes, that Kamara alone is so dodgy. Uh, it is. There's, you can't, I guess we've got to be careful what we say to an extent here, but you can't look at that and say anything other than if another team did it in this division with one of their better players, because let's face it, he is one of our better players, we'd be like, well, that's not fair, is it? That's hardly sporting balance. Um, yeah, it's it to me, as a cynic, I look at that and go, uh, we need money quickly. We can raise money quickly by sending someone to our sister club. They evidently don't need him because they've been able to loan him back. And as we know, they've signed Adam Messina this season. Uh, So do they really need him now? Or is it we need cash now? Which is fine because that is the benefit of having the sister club, isn't it? As... Yeah, that's the situation we're in. We can be a little bit kind of smug about it and say, well, that's the benefit of it. But if, if you know, what would Ian Holloway think is what I'd say. Oh, I don't, he, uh, he, would <laughs> he would. I really don't <laughs> think that would go fly with him. So, yeah, without knowing all the facts, it's hard. You know, you don't want to, I don't know, don't want to get us in legal trouble or anything like that and whatnot. But I can't look at it through any other prism than that seems a little bit dodgy and makes aunts, uh, raises more questions than it answers. I, and and the, the Duxbury quote that was attached to it, because they evidently felt this one needed a bit of an explainer, um, I just don't think serves the purpose, does it? This further protects the club at a time when balancing financial well-being and retaining a squad to compete at the top end of the championship are our priorities. Taking Rob's guidance, we'll review our options at the end of the season once divisional status is confirmed. I mean, to me, that says, I would say, well, you haven't, hasn't stopped you selling Pedro, Saar, other people, potentially. Um, why do we need the money? Because the quote is out there saying he has no worries about finance. And then taking Rob's guidance, we'll review our options at the end of the season. So, And we've also recently made quite a bit off uh, transfer sales, so... That's it, exactly. I, it's you know, worrying, I, I, isn't it? It's slightly concerning, definitely. I put a tweet out with the kind of breakdown of who we'd sold this season, fees for loanies, fees for people that we'd sold previously and had you know got sell-ons for. And then loads of people said, oh, you missed this player, you missed that player, which was actually very helpful. So the kind of updated figures, I think, which, and obviously this is, you know, this is purely kind of... Um, indicative rather than being wholly accurate and also takes into account selling Joao Pedro for 30 million would be about 84 million in sales and then another 8 million in add-ons which is inclusive of Purvis Estupinian going to Brighton and Luis Suarez going to Marseille um as I say, these you know the figures that are reported are never a hundred percent accurate. Of course, no. Andrew, Andrew French said recently that it's closer to sixty million or something like that, or maybe yeah, even, maybe which even less. Is you know still a not insignificant amount of money. So obviously we've been relegated from the Premier League. You you know the figures that are associated with that. We've but the thing that I would say is we've also got a lot of expensive people off the wage bill, haven't we? Um, so that there's a there's a benefit there. 
is the the parachute money we obviously took the loan as well you know i don't i don't sit here and pretend to want or understand want everything that the club's doing laid out bare of course not they're a business they can't do that and it's not necessarily advantageous to the club look at everton and anthony gordon if they sell him for 60 million the price goes up on every player that Everton want this in the remaining week of the window, right? And it's the same with us, really. If we if we had sold Pedro and, and Saar and pocketed 50 million in a couple of days, anyone we wanted, there's a 10% Watford tax on because that clubs know we're rich, relatively speaking. So obviously they can't. They want them to operate in the best interest of the club. Of course I do. And I, I believe they are. You know, I've got no... I would never suggest any sort of impropriety or anything like that. At the end of the day, I, I have complete faith and belief in in the people that run the club and they've done a lot of good work over a long period of time. You know, we're at 10 years this summer, aren't we? Since the Pozzos took over. So I've got, yeah, 2012. So I've got a lot of faith in what they've done and a lot of appreciation for what they've done. And I include Scott Duxbury in that as well. But I do wonder if in the spirit of kind of openness and communication and whatnot, they've been as open and and honest with us as, as they might have been regarding the financial situation. If the expectation was set from the outset as, look, there is the drop in parachute payment, uh, sorry, drop in TV revenue. There is the drop in associated commercial revenue. There is the drop in associated ticketing revenue, TV revenue, blah, blah, blah. These are all the things that aren't as much for us, worth as much in the championship as the Premier League. Plus, we've got the lingering impacts of COVID. Plus, we've got, you know, we need to pay money for these deals and so on. Don't have to put figures on it, but just, you know, spell the picture out and say, look, this is the reality. You should expect some players to go, perhaps more than you had originally anticipated. Then I think fans would have, might not have been happy, almost certainly wouldn't have been happy knowing football supporters, but would have been prepared for what has happened. Because I don't know about you, I feel like we have seen more outgoings than we ever imagined or expected. Yeah, it, it, we have. And it, and it's the outgoings of players that we, um, in some cases, hoped to retain. And and it's been uh, quite hard to hear. And, and to be fair, at, at the time of recording, uh, Jao Pedro and Asmelia Sarr remain Watford players. Yes, that's it. I've treated them as a foregone conclusion they're going. Um, and I've also heard reports that uh, the Watford hierarchy only want to sell one of those um, for this uh, for this transfer window. I don't know if you've heard something similar, Tom. Yeah, I mean, I mean money talks, so doesn't it? Really, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, this is what's sort of been reported, isn't it? Um... And there's also a new contract in the offing for Ismaili Assar, which yeah, that's it. And I, I find that interesting um he's in the final two years of his contract as we stand which is the kind of sweet spot slash last opportunity i guess to recontract these players without risking losing them for nothing or at best significantly worth less than their market value um in sars case in a year's time therefore he's going to be available for nothing in uh, the January of 2024 to a foreign club. So a foreign club could start a, agree a pre-contract with him in January 2024 and take him for nothing that summer. But of course, we're never going to recoup all the money we spent on him um, as soon as we get within kind of 12 months because clubs will know his contract is ticking down and he'll be at a great age for someone to pick him up for nothing, probably have his choice of clubs, his pick of clubs. And um, make more money than he could ever make by staying at Watford. And who would begrudge him that, ultimately? Because we, I don't think we've handled him as well as we could have. And I mean that by giving him coaches that can build the team around him and get the best out of him. I mean that in the sense of being relegated twice. And ultimately, the plan, when you sign a player like Ishmael Asar, as I'm sure I've said on this pod before, as Watford and, and, and commit that much money to him, is that he's going to be brilliant for a couple of years, so good that we're going to be fighting off offers right, left and centre and make an absolute packet on him. And that can't happen as it stands. No. You know, we're looking at kind of recouping our money at best. So we need to recontract him for that purpose. But obviously that's committing to paying him more money 
and, and probably making some other concessions in the short term to get him to sign. You know, if I was Ismail Asar, why would you sign? You either get sold for big money this summer or you wait two years and have your pick of clubs across Europe. Uh, what is he now, 23 or 24 now? He'll be 25 or 26 by then. Yeah. Great age. He will be able to pick his terms, pick his club and get paid handsomely to do it. So there's, 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 there's unless Watford are going to throw stupid money at him to do, to recontract, I would be surprised if he wanted to do that. That's my reading of it anyway. Um, but it's also a statement of intent, I suppose, that if he stays, that we're serious about going back up and, and building around him. But it's, I don't know, I just feel a little bit at a loss with the whole thing, really. It's it's peculiar how um, close the, the Jao Pedro and the Ismailis are deals have got to being done and then have not been done. In, in in some cases, uh, they've been reported as having been completed, um, <laughs> and I think only to not be. Yeah, only only to not be. Uh, Ismaili Asar was going to Aston Villa. Um, everyone said, "Oh, it's been accepted." Uh, you know the, uh, and by everyone, I, I don't mean you know the average person on the street. I mean the people that usually report these deals uh, uh, that you trust. Um, and you believe have sources somewhere said yep it's all done it's all ticked uh and then it was off um, and we think that's because Stephen gerard wasn't particularly happy with the terms and there was also other underlying issues that Saar had with with villa i think maybe he's he's holding out for uh for crystal palace is that is that, is that if, that's that's been reported hasn't it that he would like to he's not yeah convinced about villa and would like to stay in i think you know near london in the capital but excuse me i you take it with a, with a pinch of salt don't you yeah and i just think he could do better regardless you know the talent level that he has got the ability that he has got and the potential that he has got a palace or villa well palace particularly seems like a bit of a you know, failure to hit at that level. Villa could do well, but they've obviously had a pretty ropey start to the season. I think Gerard might be under pressure before too long. But you also look at the players they've got there. They've got more kind of attacking players, attacking types already than they probably need. You've got to try and fit him into a team or a squad at least that's already got Leon Bailey, who they committed a lot of money to. Uh, Philippe Coutinho, same, committed a lot of money to him. Bertrand Traore, who is there but may probably leave. Ollie Watkins. Um, Emi Buendia, who has started this season really well. Danny Ings. And Anwar Algarzi, who may be another one that moves on. You know, that's a lot of attacking, attack-minded players, isn't it? And you just think... I don't know. If I was him, I'd look at that. And, and now, mind you, Villa... Uh, um, Palace have got some decent attackers of their own, haven't they? Eze, Elise, Zaha, all playing those kind of roles behind the striker. So maybe, um, maybe uh, he's not got a, a, a much better option opportunity there. But I would look at that and take that into account as well. Am I going to regress here and kind of come out of the the limelight by playing for a bigger club but not playing as much? Well, we'll see what happens on that one. Um, it's going to be an exciting transfer window for for a change for Watford with all of yeah. the uh, coming down to the end. Um, the Jao Pedro one, it seemed it seemed like it was a done deal. He was going to Newcastle. Uh, it was even reported by um, oh, what's his face uh, Fabrizio, Fabrizio Romano. Romano yeah, yeah, he doesn't usually get him wrong, um, but it, it still might happen. But it's not done yet, and now. Other clubs are becoming involved in 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 the chat that weren't previously the likes of Everton. Yeah, Everton have been linked, haven't they? But then the kind of there doesn't seem to be any confirmation that they've actually made a bid. It's just oh, Everton are interested. Mm. The other thing is that Newcastle, and although they're totally different players, Newcastle are now being linked quite heavily with Alexander Isak at Real Sociedad, and you just wonder, totally different players, different roles. Um, you just wonder if that's a higher priority for them suddenly to, to get that one done. So I mean, they've got the money to do both, haven't they, really? Oh, they've got the money to do both, yes, absolutely. But I think, you know, they're keen to stay within the kind of 
limits of financial fair play as well, aren't they? Because they want to get into Europe and and so on. So I don't, yeah, I don't know. It's it's kind of strange that it's been reported as being basically done, but it evidently hasn't uh, mm. been announced. And and these deals until they're announced, you you're reticent to believe them hook, line, and sinker. Well, those are the transfer outs that uh, are ongoing, and there might be some more um, coming in. That sorry, go, there might be some more going out that uh, haven't sort of really been reported yet, because uh, I suppose they don't really take the same limelight as as Sarah and, and Pedro. But um, we believe that there might be a couple uh, of players to to exit before the end of this window. But let's talk about some players that are, are coming in now. Um, it was reported quite widely that Stevens, uh, the centre back currently at Southampton, wants to uh, wants to join us, and we're interested. But that's gone very quiet, and I believe it it may now not be happening. John. Yes, it's, it it seems to look that way, doesn't it? Um, he, out of the two, we said you know we probably were more desperate to get Courtney House done. Uh, purely because he was the kind of the left-sided centre-half that we, mm. we all knew we needed. Um, old Stevens seemed like a bit of a... Old Stevens is not old, he's younger than me. Stevens <laughs> seemed like a bit of a bonus, uh, essentially. But he was he was left out of Southampton's um, team against... or squad against Cambridge on, on Tuesday night, which was unexpected, I think. Um, Ralph Harsenhutl said... It's more about giving the young guys and uh, Southampton obviously quite good at bringing these players through, aren't they? Giving the young guys a, a decent opportunity to get minutes. Um, but it does, again, a bit like Ngakio, it just makes you wonder if there's a move there somewhere. But yeah, certainly the the kind of reporting is that, um, that, that our interest is slow. Certainly that's what the Athletic are reporting. Jacob Tanswell, who, who covers Southampton uh, for, for them, is, is, is saying as much. But oh, I don't know these things. You know, we we're just kind of reading what everyone else is reading, aren't we? These these things have a, a funny habit of taking a bit of a circuitous route sometimes, don't they? And, and still kind of bearing out in the long run. So I, I imagine it's not it's not over. It's just a case of juggling other priorities and other targets. Perhaps somebody else has become available that would would fill that slot, and they'd rather have. But I, I suspect they won't be kind of categorically closing down any deal until um until they've got somebody else in the door right so yeah watch this space i imagine for, for me the, the left side and center back was the the one that had to be done and now that's been done i i don't see um any other center back position being uh, an essential fill that we that we need to do um because i i think we've got decent enough cover at championship level to 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 fill those roles to be honest um much more important for me is uh is getting in another right wing back or even i'm not even gonna say another right wing back getting in a <laughs> right wing back a right because wing back. Yeah. because we don't have one currently and it just seems so evident yesterday um in particular although you could probably go back a, a few games mario gaspar is, is is not the answer um to that right side if um, going forward is part of Rob Edwards' plan from that right wing back position. No, agree, agree. Uh, as we as we went into at the top of the show, that would be my priority by by far. And I just think overall, the probably the wing backs are the, the, one of the the biggest priorities because we didn't have anyone in the squad that you would say yes, they can play wing back, um, other than Kamara and Feminia, and, and one of those is gone. It's a high intensity, high energy position physically demanding position you're going to get injuries and suspensions of course losses of form over the course of the season so we needed to do work there beforehand now we've lost Feminia Kamara will go next season anyway potentially so it's um it seems very oppressing and and if you look at the way that Forest Green played last season they they put a heavy emphasis on those guys um but evidently we have we have not so far and I just I just think that is that is pretty concerning for me. So, yeah, some something that needs to be done um, and and done very quickly because we are now what twenty fourth. So we have seven days left, basically. Yeah, twenty fourth. 
of August, uh, not 24th in the table, thankfully. Um, <laughs> somehow managed to, to to grind out these results. Um, but yeah, it's we we need that we need that position so badly. Um, or we need a complete change of of formation. Um, which you know is another option and it's another way to go certainly. But I, I, I without knowing what our financial situation is, I can't I can't really you know, say that we need to spend the money, but I'm, I'm assuming, uh, and it's dangerous to say that, that we do have, um, some collateral, uh, and we just need to spend it. We need to spend it and we need to sort of that right side. Um, and probably also, um, a striker. If, uh, the, the Pedro sale goes through, um, yeah. I, I, no, I would agree with that. Yeah. I mean, Keenan Davis, I think, is who we're pinning our hopes on at the minute, aren't we? Because uh, I don't think we're that happy so far with uh, with Manai or, or Bayo. So, yeah, another another one through the door would be good. Um, Archer is the person that um, we're we're you know we're linked with, but um, I think that's all down to whether Gerard gets another striker through his door. Is that right? Yeah, I, th- I think. Uh... I think they they would like to do something there, wouldn't they? Oh, they've listed off all those attackers. They've really only got um, looks like Bertrand Charo will go, and the only kind of out and out strikers there for a Ings and Watkins, um, which, are, which are good options. But Watkins kind of plays can play wide as well, and Ings has never quite hit it off at Villa. So you'd think that they would want a third one, even if it's somebody slightly younger. So. Yes, I think something probably has got to happen there because he rates him very highly and was talking earlier in the summer about you know not letting him go. He was going to be with the first team and so on. Um, and, and talking to someone I know who supports Aston Villa, he thought it was preposterous, the idea that... that, that, that um, I've forgotten his name, Cameron Archer would leave, sorry. Uh, he thought it was preposterous, the idea that Cameron Archer would leave this summer and yet he's you know still being linked so you have to assume that we're gonna we're gonna try and make that one happen so we're agreed then that we that we need a, a right wing back um and we will probably need another striker if um the likely uh movement takes place anything else that you've seen that you think would be would be nice i suppose it would fit more into the um Rather than desperately need the would like to have column. Yeah, that, that's it. The, the, those are the must-haves, the non-negotiables. The, the one I, I think, I, if I was being greedy, central if midfield. I was, yeah, central midfield, mate. Exactly. I think just someone in there with some more legs and energy in the kind of, you know, creative mould, but with kind of Chowdhury's oomph and energy and so on. And then I think at number ten. To just take a bit of that expectation and pressure and onus off of Yasser Spria, who is, you know, we talked at, at length about him, but he is young, he is new to this league, he is new to this country, he is going to go through low points, losses of form, etc. He is the only out and out kind of number 10 in this squad at the moment. And we're not necessarily going to play with a 10 every week, but. It's a lot of pressure to put on one so young, still growing, still developing. So I would like to see someone in there with a bit more experience. But the absolute non-negotiables are those those three that we just discussed: um, the the, the centre half, the the sorry, the right wing back, and the centre forward. Anything else is a bonus. Yeah. Okay, that's the transfer window, and uh, there'll be more on that as we as we go forward uh, with future pods. But um, just a quick look at the at the next fixture, um, and we're back at home again. Uh, QPR coming to the Vic uh, this time. I mean, they, they've not had a good start, Tom, um, and potentially this could be a chance for us to get back on track after a disappointing midweek fixture, and hopefully with um, with the first choice team out this time, Tom. Yeah, absolutely. I think. An important one, really. The, I always think that at this stage of the season, a, a good start and a bad start are so kind of the the margins are so far. <laughs> so shall I start? Of... Shall, I, shall, shall I start that again? No, I love it. <laughs> Seems it was close. Yeah, go on. Um, the margins are so fine, aren't they? After after two draws, if we'd have won convincingly last night, everything looks good. We've now lost, and it was miserable. So we've got to get that win, and we've got to get a convincing win and score more than one. 
QPR, obviously only the one win so far, and that was back on the, the second weekend of the season. So, you know, they've they've had kind of four without a win at, the, at this stage. Fairly, I'm not going to say easy run by any means, but QPR, uh, sorry, Blackpool and Rotherham in, the, in their last two, you know, two of the kind of weaker teams in the division, smaller teams in the division. They've not, I don't think, probably acclimatised maybe to the change in style and, and what have you that, that, that Michael Beale's trying to implement there. They've not made a huge amount of signings, only only a couple of players coming in at this stage, a few loans, Tyler Roberts from Leeds, Taylor Richards from Brighton, and then, of course, the, the one that got away from a whole point of view, Ethan Laird from Manchester United. So it'll be very easy, interesting to see kind of up front and up close and personal how he, how he actually does mm, yeah. for them. They're one of the kind of um, middling teams really in, in terms of kind of their underlying numbers expected goals only good good enough for for 13th expected goals conceded puts them 15th so you know lower kind of middle of the pack like to keep the ball uh, sixth for passes attempted and completed seventh for passes into the final third set piece goals couple of those already puts them up there and um, a, a team that you know doesn't necessarily uh, kind of create huge chances, as, as I say, but still um, have, have kind of had less trouble than us finding the back of the net so far. So uh, yeah, I think you know a, a decent test on the on the face of it, perfectly winnable. But we we have. We've shown we're kind of you know we're there to be got out I think haven't we in in the in the opening weeks of the season so they'll be looking at us and thinking right let's pile on their kind of their kind of disappointment and and, and frustration over the last few weeks so yeah it's um it's it's got a potential to be, be quite an important game I think relatively inexperienced coach Michael Beale yeah but very very highly rated at, um within the game did very well at um. Well, was part of a you know a coaching unit that did very well at Rangers with with Steven Gerrard. Obviously, followed him down to Aston Villa and 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 they met at Liverpool. So you know, quite a varied career. Also worked in Brazil with Sao Paulo. He's, I think the kind of the the prevailing narrative is that he is the kind of uh, the tactical man that behind the tactics man behind Gerrard, the man behind the kind of the goods in the back, as as they would have said about Peter Taylor. When he was working under 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 Brian Clough, so first kind of real job, frontline coaching. I imagine he will be um, he will be someone that we're we're talking about in kind of similar terms to Rob Edwards at, at some point or other as a kind of young coach that's come into the division this this year. But um, yeah, it's time to start getting getting points and goals on the board and. Whatnot, but I don't. I don't feel like uh, we're, we've taken a kind of a seismic leap forward in the last week. So it's it's going to be a tough game, certainly. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, then. Well, thanks for joining me, Tom, and um, a happy birthday to Jordan. Uh, yeah, I hope happy he's listening birthday. Back to us and, and, in, and enjoying his his uh, his week off because uh, <laughs> it was a tough one to talk about this game, wasn't it? Yeah, it certainly was. Let's not let's not repeat that. Let's hope that by the time we reconvene, it's in happier circumstances with all the players that we wanted having signed. Yeah, absolutely. I don't ask for much, do I? No, no, you don't. Um, okay, then. Well, uh, we'll be back again uh, after the QPR fixture. Uh, I think, Tom, you're going to be on holiday, aren't you? So uh, I'm on holiday now for three weeks, yeah, afraid so. It might just be myself and Jordan. Um, and... Um, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll enjoy going through that one uh, together. Hopefully. Until then, um, enjoy the rest of your week. Don't get too down about the League Cup because at the end of the day, it was unlikely we were going to do much in it. And it's good that we can focus on uh, on the Championship. That's what the managers always say. And I, I, I mean, to better or worse, I kind of agree that it, it shouldn't have been our focus this year. Disappointing that uh, the youngsters won't have a, a first-team opportunity for probably the rest of this uh, year now until uh, 2023 uh, opens up and we get the FA Cup again. But um, yeah, in general, it was never really going to be a, a huge uh, focus for us, was it, Tom? 
No, absolutely not. The cups is a nice bonus for us. Nothing more, nothing less. If the payoff is that we get promoted playing good football, uh, no one will be complaining come May. Really. Uh, no, they um, okay then. Well, thanks very much uh, for listening. Uh, quick look at uh, any reviews that we may have had in, and um, no additional reviews. If you want to get in uh, a review, um, just go to Apple Podcasts. Uh, go down to the bottom, give us a rating out of five, uh, and then uh, leave us a little comment. Tell, you, tell us what we're doing right, what we're doing wrong. It's always like uh, it's always good to, to receive those, and we'll read them out on the show as well. Um, good stuff. Uh, one more thing, we have a Patreon as well. Um, if you want to support the show, uh, please find us on Patreon, uh, and uh, anything you can, uh, you can donate would be fantastic, because it just helps towards the running of the show, and... Um, uh, for us to maybe get a, a pint one of these days, uh, Tom. Although we we we, we enjoyed one, we enjoyed one uh, on Tuesday, didn't we? We certainly did. I'm required to pay for my own beer. That's absolutely <laughs> fine. <laughs> okay. Well, thanks again, and uh, we'll see you next time. Goodbye. Bye. Bye.